0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwood, and also joined today by a very special guest we welcome on, Jeff Taylor of the Fly Penguins Fly podcast. Jeff, how's it going today?
1: Happy to be here. Big fan of the show, as you know, I listen all the time and uh always a pleasure to to join you too thank you
2: it's always great having you it's always fun running into you at the practice facilities as you did a couple weeks ago um you were seem to be working live at the or working live on scene as it as it would be uh with your microphone out putting in the work it's always awesome to see it's good to see you're continuing your grind and uh how have things been working out or not working out i guess but going yeah. for you on that uh end of things
1: yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for noticing and asking. I, I, You know, it's always great to see you down there as well. And uh, Nick B., the more of you in Pittsburgh we can get, the better. I know some of that's coming up on the horizon. So, uh, yeah, the other day I just decided to hit a practice. The Pens were struggling. Um, I think it was in advance of the Arizona game that, that we were all at the at the Cranberry facility. And I just thought, this time I'm going to bring my mic. And it's going to be hot the whole time. And I had my little Zoom recorder, just kind of tucked in my backpack. And I just found some cool folks. You know, I, I found some differently abled uh, people that tend to come down to the rink with their with their handlers and and watch practice, and kind of that enriches their day. I interviewed one of them, Megan Crawford, shout out. And then I met a young kid who who had just gotten Tristan Jari's stick. I interviewed him. And then popping out of the Dubas presser was. Uh, friend of both of our, our podcasts, Rob Rossi, who who was all too happy to jump on. So those types of episodes are what I really love doing the most when I can kind of weave that all together and uh and kind of be in the field a little bit. So that's uh what I like doing. You brought the magic on that episode, and it brought the
0: magic for the Pittsburgh Penguins, too. I'm not going to say that it's all on you, Jeff, but after that, they went on a little bit of a heater with the power play. So, And you talked about the power play on that episode of Fly Penguins Fly, so I
1: don't know. Maybe maybe all that was missing was Jeff Taylor live and in person. We'll, uh, we'll keep going down to the practices. I mean, there's nothing like it, right? Go For anyone out there, uh, listeners of Tip of the Iceberg, you can't overstate the intrinsic value, just as any hockey fan or any sports fan, just to like, okay, you're not a huge basketball fan, but somebody says to you, you can go down and watch the Lakers practice courtside. That's what it's like to just walk in free of charge to the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex and mosey right down to the glass, almost no matter how packed it ever gets, you can still go right down to the glass. There's a seat there for you somewhere. And Sidney Patrick Crosby, Mike Sullivan, Evgeny Malkin, these guys are just An inch from your face. Uh, It's entertainment in itself. It'll teach you about the sport. It'll reinforce your love of it. And it's just to me, it's one of the crown jewels of what it's like to be a Penguins fan and and be local and get to go down there. So for visitors, come a day early, go down to the practice, catch a milkshake factory run afterwards, you know, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to do.
2: It is. Before we even step into the podcast, one more part of it is that also, like, no matter how bad the team may be doing, one thing that really always brings things home is the kids that still show up to that amped oh. as ever. And it's still something cool for them no matter what. And one thing they get to see there sometimes is uh, the new president and GM, Kyle Dubas, sitting in his perch above the ice. <laughs> um, and here's where we can kick things off in the episode. Uh, Jeff, just what have you thought of Kyle Dubas and his work through uh, his first we're almost there just about 6 months uh with the team well i
1: feel pretty good you know i think the vibes the vibes are good i think i eric carlson obviously is the biggest piece the most famous and infamous however you look at it piece that's been brought in here to the penguins and i think everything i've seen is as advertised offensive upside not too much said, and I think I've also learned some of this from your podcast, but the idea that, hey, here's a cool take, and I forget which one of you said it, Nick or Nick, that it really wasn't advertised that Eric Carlson was going to come in and revolutionize the Penguins' power play. He's got the skating to do just about anything. So if he sets his mind to it, and if he makes a mistake, he can he can actually get back into the into the action faster than almost anyone else on the team just instantly. That's how good a skater he is. Um, But it's, it's obvious that he's been a great addition also in the locker room. uh, There was a piece I read recently. I think it was, was it Yowie or Rossi for the athletic who wrote the piece about, Carlson and Latang's interactions and Carlson just speaking so glowingly about Latang. I mean, th- there you go. There's a picture of who Eric Carlson is and what he says when when uh when interviewed. All right, I'm I'm yammering and stammering. You know, we also we don't see there's no Mikhail Granlin around currently. He was definitely, at least at the time, and and in that place, dead weight on the Penguins. I'm going to not try to opine or or get too detailed about things I haven't put a ton of thinking into. I, I kind of know where this conversation is is headed. Eventually, I'm going to let you guys steer it. Um, but uh, I, Kyle Dubas, all things considered, he's a great communicator. You know, he, he learns a journalist's names by uh, individual first name basis. I know you guys have all, uh, Nick uh, Horwat have been referred to as... <laughs> well, a lot of times I hear him using uh you're probably going to be modest and say he doesn't know who you are or something I don't, but I, I I don't think he's does. gotten around
2: to mine yet but he's definitely he definitely knows everyone else but <laughs> I, I, I what, think it's... he knows
1: who you are I think you know you, you you're doing a fantastic job out there as well and yeah he just brought sunshine did Kyle Dubas I think into the greater penguins uh, even even on the fandom side uh, for me I'm just experiencing Kyle Dubis in a way I didn't ever experience Ron Hextall right as like a Mm-hmm. Front-facing, smiling, communicative, positive, but real. I mean, if you listen to the Josh Getzoff interviews uh, on the the GM show, you really get a slice of Kyle Dubis's mind on those shows. He opens up. Look, uh, my my overall read on it is 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 that it's been a good thing so far for the organization, and it's still a pretty small slice. He's just getting settled in, as Rob said on on, on my show like last week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, the, at this point, he had one off season, and to this point of the season, he hasn't made a lot of moves. You know, a lot of the moves that he's made was, you know, bringing up guys from the minors that he's brought in at some point of the season, or bringing a guy up from the minor that has been scouted previously by the Pittsburgh Penguins that has been in the organization. Somebody like a Valtteri Pustinen, and knowing not just to bring him up, but when to bring him up and where to place him. That goes hand in hand with Mike Sullivan as well. Mm. But you you mentioned the big move, you know, the big move to shape up this team in his image was Eric Carlson. And everybody's going to talk about that one because, as you mentioned, not only are you bringing Carlson in, but you're getting rid of the Ruda contract, the Grandling contract, the Petrie contract, and, and even the Casey DeSmith contract. And that's where I want to head next with this when looking at Dupuis's performance. An underrated aspect of this offseason was he had to deal with one of, if not the most important position in hockey for this organization, yeah. goaltending. In his first day, and his first month, it was figure out the goaltending, and it was not an easy answer back in June or back in July, and at this point of the season, we're 30 games in, we don't know if this was the actual answer, but so far his gamble has paid off in net. Tristan Jari has been excellent in particular since the move from October to November, he's been excellent, and Alex Nedeljkovic, somebody who was a gamble because the last two seasons did not go well for Nedeljkovic in Detroit. So I commend the ability of Kyle Dubas to bring in two goaltenders that not only have performed well, but seem to be able to share that net seamlessly in a fact set that you see sometimes in the NHL, but sometimes it's more of a a one-person type of net. It seems like these two can share the net seamlessly, and it seems like they're both finding their stride in Pittsburgh, Nedeljkovic in his first year, and Jari in his first year of a big contract.
1: Agreed. Yeah
2: it's hard to not to disagree with that i mean you look at the numbers yeah the sl- the starts may have been a little slow for them but um without doubt you can see they've picked it up and they've been the fir- one of the furthest things from the issues recently Is this team still hovers around 500 it's uh for the most part not been due to the goaltending have they had their darker spots sure um but in india the- there's not much you could say about that toronto game but it's they're past it and you could see that no matter who's in net between those two and for what it's worth if Magnus Helberg needs to come up to be a solid backup in a third string role, whatever it may be he's been pretty good too I believe I have to recheck I would have to recheck the numbers on it but they were one of the they were in the top three or bottom three I guess however you want to put it right. the fewest goals allowed in the league so mm-hmm. well yeah um, the goaltending has stepped up in a huge way you know I last
1: night as we tape uh, we were most of us all together at PPG for the uh, wild at Penn's game, a mm-hmm. game that really felt at one point or another that it was going to result in something all too familiar, which was Penguins building an early lead, surrendering it and losing in regulation. It didn't go that way. You know, Sidney Crosby's unbelievable season definitely had a huge bit to do with it, but it is such a team sport. So whether that goal that Crosby scored when he did which it's all it's in an all important moment to the, get the go ahead goal uh tied 3-3 at the time as it as it was it's like pretty quickly thereafter I had a moment of clarity and thought yeah but he could just as easily have gotten that goal for them in the first or second period the chances were there the first period was nutso. so i mean they were ringing him off the post there were all kinds of really close chances, uh, super in tight to the net. That game could have been three or four nil at the end of one, depending on how some of those pucks bounce. The pens come back out still on the power play in the beginning of the second period and and make good right away. And that that was just like a, man, that's, that's what you're supposed to be able to do with fresh legs, still on the PP. And and so there are some real signs of life and I'm talking circles around the thing I was actually going to say, which is that on the topic of Nedeljkovic, boy, I just, it feels like a real tandem, just like you were alluding to uh, uh, both Knicks. Man, it's what a wild thing that you you do this podcast together with the same first name. (laughs) It makes it so easy. Uh, And it also makes me feel the impetus to be like a basketball coach and simply refer to you as your last names. But because of the, in our culture, that's kind of like a diminutive reference. I don't want to do it. I don't want to say, Hey, Berlansky or, 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 or I don't like to do it. I don't feel like I have that. uh, (laughs) that. But look, Alex and Delcovich, man, I'd love to see him, you know, hold off from wearing the Cleveland Jersey in the locker room, (laughs) although it makes a headline and it's, and it's kind of fun to talk about and there's not really a football team in Pittsburgh anymore. So, you know, (laughs) And I, and I come in peace as a Jersey guy. Y- y'all know, yeah. listeners, I'm not from Pittsburgh. I didn't have a football team. My football team, if there is one, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know where they are right now. I don't know who's coaching them, uh, who's quarterbacking them, but they do have a kicker. There's like a kicker <laughs> in Boswell and a stadium and a fan base. Oh, I keep knocking my, my stand. Soon, there might be a team again. Uh, but <laughs> Nadelkovich, he's a Browns fan, and he gets away with it because – He's solid between the pipes. I felt confident in him throughout the evening. When I heard he was going to start, I was like, great. Love Nadelkovich. Mr. Ned. Every time he makes a big save, they call him Mr. Ned. That's like, yeah, or Mr. Ed. I think that was the end of the Mr. Ed mm-hmm. theme song. I'm going to kick it back to you guys. <laughs> No, with Ndelkovich, though, I mean, you're
0: 100% right. There is confidence from this team in him, and he threw it right back the other way when he talked to the media post game. He said, Man, the team in front of me played extremely well uh, after that game against the Minnesota Wild. But the thing is with the two of them is the fact that it's not really about. October, November, December, especially with Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari's numbers are great in November. They're great in December. So we'll just have to wait and see how it develops in the season, how he performs in January, February, March, hopefully April, May, and June. That'd be great for both of our shows. But uh, at the end of the day, it seems as if so far so good for, for Kyle Dubas when it comes to how he addressed the goaltending situation. The defense, however, is something that there's a lot of question marks in. None bigger than then one Ryan Graves. The question is, how patient can this team be with Ryan Graves? You see what happened late, early last week, which was Mike Sullivan finally saying, you know what, Graves, we're going to try you out with Eric Carlson because we need something to change because his performance through 29 games wasn't good enough, so they tried him alongside Eric Carlson moving Marcus Pedersen up to the first pairing. The question becomes, if his performance doesn't you know, improve, then what do you do with them? How patient can you be with a guy that has struggled mightily to this point of the season, yet was given the biggest contract of the offseason? That's a big point of contention for those trying to grade out how Kyle Dubas has done to this point. And Graves right now is the biggest part for detractors to say, look at this contract and look at this performance. It's just not going well.
2: Yeah, it's one of the biggest, you know, I don't want to say struggles at the moment. He's not a guy you can... Necessarily, dunk to the third line either. Uh, it's because it is you're right the biggest contract that Dubas had si- that signed over the uh, off season mm-hmm. at four point five million. I mean, I'm hopeful that this quick little demotion um, can have almost a Marcus Pedersen effect, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that Marcus Pedersen felt last year whenever he had to all of a sudden play alongside the offensive heavy Chris Letang. It, Marcus Pedersen kind of had to zero himself in and go, okay, I got to play better defensively just kind of lock in mm-hmm. that's sort of the feeling i'm hoping ryan graves can feel here is that sure he was with Latang already and that's where Patterson got this move from but um if graves can be bumped to this second to the second unit with uh with carlson who is all offense all the time <laughs> it forces yeah. a little more stable play a little more uh awareness from ryan graves and that's kind of what i'm hoping for at least jeff what say you huh.
1: well i was about to try to sneak before you kicked it to me and to, to figure out uh by looking up what ryan Graves's age is he's 28 28 year old okay yeah this is not a uh this is not a rookie no player you know okay and what and the reason i was going to do that was because i was thinking by comparison career-wise maybe where is ryan graves um In that process where you could say, in that growth process, the mental growth process, where if a coach comes to you and says, okay, here's where we're at. I need you to dial up X, Y, and Z and tuck A, B, and C away in a drawer for another day. Because whether it's Pedersen, Letang, or Carlson, and it's going to be one of Letang and Carlson at this point, that's going to be his partner if he's going to succeed here. Obviously, there are options of Sending him to the third line, maybe switching him and Ludwig or something. The thing is, that second pairing needs to, should have an offensive upside to it. The problem is, if both guys on that pairing are tending to commit turnovers, I mean, you need someone to execute what both, frankly, what both Pedersen and Latang are capable of on the top pairing, which is mm. stay at home defense. And puck distribution, uh, control, controlled uh, zone exits and entries depending on the situation. And I'm watching Marcus Pedersen doing these things in real time last night against the Wild. Sorry to keep positioning uh, mm-hmm. our taping in, in this particular spot in space and time. But that third pairing, again, I'm, I'm sort of carving out the negative space around Ryan Graves right now tangentially, but Ludwig and Ruedel, I'd have to go back and watch the tape again, but the eye test was good. Chad was in elite Chad form. Kirill Kaprizov in his current state of being was no match for Goat Chad. And Ludwig, to me, looked pretty solid. With him and Achari in the lineup, there's a little bit of grit there. And having Achari back, okay, I'm, I know I'm now I'm, Now we're talking about a, a fourth liner, <laughs> uh, a, a offensive player, but yeah, Ryan Graves. Well, I want to couple him up with Redeem Zahorna as I talk about him because two enormous men who looked like, forgive me, gents, and I'm speaking to the players because I know they're listening to the podcast right now, (laughs) a little bit of deer in headlights vibes. Actually, after the game, I thought Z needs a trip cross-state to uh, the external film location for American office. And I thought, because I I just don't know at this point what 63 – is really contributing. Honestly, it, there's a lot a lot of lapses. And Ryan Graves, that's what I'm noticing. When I'm noticing, mm. this, this is that it's good to notice a defenseman sometimes. Like Eric Carlson's the classic notice him defenseman. Even his mistakes are often, it's like double-edged sword. He was probably like a baby hair away from doing something miraculous when that turnover occurred because that's how good a skater and a puck handler and all, all that he is. With Graves, you know, I don't know. There's been a few times where he didn't clear a body out of the crease and and a goal has occurred. And he is enormous. He's enormous. Like, there's something missing there.
0: Yeah, it's certainly something that the Pittsburgh Penguins need him to find in his game. At the end of the day, it's not about, like you said, he's enormous. It's not about skill at that point. point. It's about (laughs) using the tools that God has gifted you himself. And here's the thing with him as well. And Kyle Dubas mentioned this at his presser a couple Mondays ago, the day that you mentioned that you talked to Rob Rossi, Jeff, is that he said, you know what, he's somebody that has been a slow starter everywhere he's went. Mm. He was a slow starter in Colorado. He was a slow starter in New Jersey, and now he's a slow starter in Pittsburgh as well, and they're hoping that sooner rather than later he kicks it back up to that level that a lot of people saw in him that a lot of people saw that he was worth in this offseason, which is why yeah. he could command six years, 4.5. If you ask most general managers and they were honest with you, which the odds of that happening are very small, but if they were yeah. honest with you, the ones that were in conversation with him were probably offering around the same thing for Ryan Graves. So why was... His value so high when he's struggling so mightily right now, it's because he's a slow starter is what we're hoping for is what Kyle Dubas is hoping for. You look at what he did in Colorado in his first year in 2018-19 in the first 26 games. He had 49% of the shot attempts. He had 45% Hmm. of the expected goals. Then, a couple years later, he starts in New Jersey at 26 years old. He has 51% of the shot attempts, which is a 2% bump, and a 50% of the expected goals, which is a 5% bump on where he started in Colorado. The problem is, what you look at this season so far, through 30 games, mm. which is the same sample size I gave you from Colorado, New Jersey, yeah. he's 28 years old, he has the lowest shooting per, er, shots percentage, which is 48.48, in the first 30 games with this team than he did the other two teams. And he has a lower expected goals than he did in New Jersey at 49.39. It's not, again, splitting hairs there, but it's very similar. The book on him is similar. He does the same things when he gets into a team. You're just hoping that that second part that comes in, that got that value so high for him, starts to kick in sooner rather than later. Because if it doesn't, you're in trouble now because how patient can you be with a guy that you gave 4.5 million dollars to for the next six years that's it's a hard thing to do
1: And, and here in pittsburgh arguably you don't need the same thing from from ryan graves that you needed from him in another town because of who's who he's surrounded by in the defensive court like all he has to do is and i let the coaching staffs come up with what this is defined as is that x y and z whatever else isn't going right let's just you know, just cauterize it, you know, close the wound and focus on supporting your current defensive partner, which is Eric Carlson. Enable Mm -hmm. this guy, make it your bat out of hell mission to do everything you have to do to play in front of your goaltender and support Eric Carlson. That's the major investment, not just financially, take the money out of it. All right, let's Mm -hmm. show Hey Otani this, let's defer (laughs) the majority of, of, of your, (laughs) of your cap hit. Just for the moment, right? As an experiment. You got Chris Letang, very uh, uh, well-performing Marcus Pedersen. And Eric Carlson are the three people circling around you right now. Take a deep breath. Ryan Graves. All right? You got the flow going. You got the height. You're a hockey player from the Maritimes in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. That usually goes well. Mm -hmm. You know? And then... I was impressed with the third pairing last night. They're getting they're getting real close. If, if we can dial in this Ryan Graves situation, you're t- like you're talking about, I think the Penguins have an embarrassment of riches pretty quickly, especially if Ch- Chad can maintain what I thought last night was exactly what we needed from him. I thought he looked fantastic
2: personally. I'm with you on that, and I'll keep saying it, that <clears throat> this team really is right on the cusp of turning that corner and being where it should be mm. like you're saying embarrassment of riches is so close because it's all the, all the pieces are there they truly are <clears throat> excuse me the power play is waking up a little bit more yeah the penalty kill is going to improve under nola returning um once they organize what's going on with the third pairing if they want to make some moves or not that'll get figured out and situated and then mm-hmm. five on five score needs to get figured out all of a sudden and depth scoring everything is just right there if everything can just get hit start hitting on all cylinders mm. mm-hmm. It's a new level, and for what it's worth, we know Kyle Dubas is not afraid to <clears throat> move out an expensive contract, right. i.e., Jeff Petrie, to yeah. if after a year in a after a year of a defenseman in a new town, we'll see where things go from there. But <clears throat> overall, I think uh, you know, I think Graves. Hopefully, it is just a long learning curve, but it needs to. It needs to hit that curve pretty quickly.
0: Mm. Now, Jeff, you you mentioned that you said, well, you know, you're going to leave it up to the coaches to say, here, do X, Y, and Z and forget X, Y, and Z. In my opinion, the book is out. What you do if you're the coaching staff is you throw on the Marcus Pedersen tape from this season Mm -hmm. alongside Eric Carlson. You say, you see what he did right there? You do that. You do that to a T, and that is all you do. Because if you try to do anything else at this stage of the game, it seems like you're probably going to mess it up. So what Marcus Pedersen is doing, emulate it, Mm -hmm. study it, practice it, do it. Yes. That's what you need. That's what you need totally. for Ryan Graves. That's exactly what you need from Ryan Graves. But you mentioned, and Horwath also mentioned this, that you know, it seems like defensively, the pieces are there. You just need to figure out where they go. You might need one more piece. Forward-wise, I think they're a bit further away. So that brings us to the final question of this show, and I'll lead it off with you, Jeff. What are the Penguins missing right now? What is the biggest need for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Doesn't seem like Kyle Dubas, well, you know, as this comes out, Kyle Dubas can't make any moves because of the roster freeze of the holiday. But when Kyle Dubas eventually does make that first move to bring in that piece, that missing link, what
1: do you think he needs to look for mm. to bring to the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, we've seen, as I look down the the forward lines, as they currently exists, right, Crosby, Malkin, Eller, and Achari as as our centers. You know, in a way, the third line is the biggest question mark for me. Although there have been, you know, uh, I say I want to say pairings, but line combination issues on both of the well, not really the first line, but in a way, the first line because injuries have prevented us from really seeing what uh Ricard Raquel well. Could really look like if he ever got things going, and Brian mm-hmm. Russ now having been out for quite a while, we don't really have the luxury of playing with all of our toys right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew O'Connor is a is a good problem. He seems to be plug-inable in just about any situation. At least speed-wise, he's acting more responsibly. He seems to have more of a nose for uh, uh, the puck without having his head down and just watching it. Like, he's really involved. His physicality seems to have really blossomed for this season. I don't know exactly what happened in the offseason. Question marks, though? I mentioned it before. Whatever your combinations are, maybe when Brian Rust comes back, the answer to this becomes a little clearer, but Mm -hmm. Redeem Zahorna, to me, I I just want to, I just, there are things about him that I, I really like. I'm having a hard time loving his game, though. I I just, I am a difficulty wrangling pucks, especially in the offensive zone seems to be a big part of breaking out and getting the puck North. But then it just like miles Wood for the New Jersey devils. I only had the pleasure of getting to watch devils games when I was in New Jersey rooting for the penguins Mm -hmm. and occasionally just go watch the devils. At the time miles Wood was just like that seemed to like explode and get a hold of the puck and skate with it. And he, and then as he would get close to the net, it would just turn off and he couldn't finish for the Devils. I think that may have changed in his career to some extent, but Zahorna, I just don't know where he fits in. Lars Eller can really dance with the puck, right? And, and we remember this uh, shorthanded goal from a handful of games back and he mm-hmm. danced across the ice to, through two or three guys and, and scored. I mean, that was just one example of some some pretty impressive play from Eller. I'll throw it back to whichever whichever of you cares to to field this, uh, Nick or Nick, but do you think that any of the current centermen could or should, depending on how trades are organized or players coming back from injury, uh, end up as a winger? Is there is there a center position? Is there a centerman really that isn't in Pittsburgh yet that could push one of these other current centermen out out to the wing? That's kind of my way of answering and keeping, yeah, keeping the take, convo going. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You're good. I'll absolutely jump on the lead on this because this kind of goes into what I think one of the Penguins' biggest needs is, and that is a more offensively-minded third-line center not to get rid of Lars Eller or Noel Achari, but to bump Eller down to that fourth-line spot and move Achari to a wing. This would effectively also take Jeff Carter out of the lineup, probably, um, or Matt Nieto, whichever way they want to go because I know Jeff Carter's played fairly decently recently. We discussed that earlier. So there are... That, i think that's kind of one of the steps is in my eyes at least one of the biggest needs to find a new third line center whoever it may be just someone who has some offensive gift let me throw this one out there too mm. maybe a second line center and bump malkin to three because he's hitting that age that's a bridge for a different day i didn't mean to start mm. that fire yeah. but you get what i'm saying a another offensive minded center who can bump Lars Eller to the fourth line, hey, move Noel Achari to a the wing, fire. and then roll from there. Bring it. Start Bring
1: the, the scent. Like, I know you're not suggesting to the coaching right. staff that they go do that, but I le- I love that. And I, that's why I love this podcast, actually. You guys have been you've been shooting from the hip the last mm-hmm. 20, 30 episodes. I've really been uh, getting some ideas <laughs> from you. Maybe you allude to something, yeah. and then you say, like you just did, Nick Horwat. Yep. You said... I'm not saying that we do, but this is the (laughs) podcast where the ideas are originating because you guys are bouncing those ideas off each other. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to think that that way way. our
2: brains work too. Uh, to watch in
1: love with Elias Lindholm. He's just not going to say
0: Elias Lindholm on the show.
2: And you're the one that said the name first. (laughs) I
0: did. I put that into your mind and now you can't get it out. Uh, But I'm happy you said that because the comment section can take it off of me um, for apparently my vendetta against Evgeny Malkin. But no, I I like I like the thought of, of the third line center moving Lars Eller down because I think Lars Eller has been perfectly serviceable. I think he is a fine. Third line center. He gives me Nick Benino vibes, to be completely honest. The penalty, the penalty killing, the ability to score in the big moment. He's shown that throughout his career. He's shown that he can still do that to this day. For me, I don't care if it's left. I don't care if it's right. right. I don't care if it's center. Bring in somebody else to score in the bottom six. Yes. And, and Jeff alluded to it earlier. Maybe that's because Pustin is performing well in the second line. Maybe that's Brian Rust oh. getting healthy and Brian Rust being in the bottom six. Or maybe it's Yesapul Yarvi. Once he's done using a walker to get around after his double hip surgery, maybe he oh. is a good player there. Or maybe... Just maybe you go out and you find somebody else. I like Anthony Duclair. Some people disagree with me. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you need to bring somebody in because, Jeff, you mentioned it correctly. Duclair. Drew O'Connor has looked good. Drew O'Connor has looked good. But at the same time, Drew O'Connor is giving me very, very big Teddy Bluger vibes in the way mm, that interesting. you're loved by the coaching staff. You're homegrown practically from this organization. Yeah. They want to give you a bigger opportunity, but when you've gotten it, you just haven't quite fit that role. Drew O'Connor's fine as a third line left wing. He's better as a fourth line left wing. If you can get somebody to come in and score, because I don't think Drew O'Connor has shown you enough finish to be a everyday third line player yeah. in a team that really needs more third
1: line scoring. And you talk about big opportunities for those people on the cusp, like an O'Connor or mm-hmm. at the time a Blueger. Well, Teddy Bluger got the biggest possible opportunity he could have gotten and got to hoist the Stanley Cup, right? Uh, Jared McCann, super talented, touted player, mm-hmm. brought up through the Penguins system in, in many ways, right? Uh, am I am I inc- I'm incorrect about that? Actually, he came that, from another organization, from Florida. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the biggest opportunity he could ever have been given was to get out to this brand new franchise and Be part of the Seattle Kraken, it worked out for him, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I happen to have grown up as I talk about all the time in my, my podcast on, in a town that basically borders the town Drew O'Connor grew up in. So, I have a little bit of an attachment as a fan, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, uh, hey, you can call Evgeny Malkin's line the second line too without it actually being the second line, <laughs> you know, who who can you bring in? What <laughs> sorry, uh, you know, but no, he he three years super league, I mean, that's. <laughs> he comes out last. Yeah. He he will be the second line center pretty much until he retires. And I think he should be. But there there yeah. were a couple of moments last night. For instance, there was kind of a wholesale change occurring uh last evening against the wild as the puck was tri- trickling up the boards just past the benches. And Malkin touched the puck to kind of advance it up to a forward who was closer to the the ozone at a time when I wasn't totally sure he was allowed to do so, and then jumped on the bench. And I thought. This is just one of those moments where you get that feeling that he's kind of just out for a skate at a moment when he should really be hustling. But that's more his MO than his actual reality, if you watch if you watch him more closely. And, uh, of course, he gets a goal last night. He's up on the rush, two-on-one, which brings us to Valtteri Pustinen again. I mean, my goodness, did that guy look like a role player on the top power play unit? I thought because of how invisible he seemed. I I actually didn't even realize that's who was on the power play unit because I hadn't Mm -hmm. paying as close attention uh, in spite of what I had tried to report (laughs) on my podcast. But he just was facilitating this puck movement. There were a couple Mm -hmm. of early on, they didn't score on it, but there was like a tic-tac-toe backdoor play the Penguins made. I was like, whoa, they looked like the New Jersey Devils power play for a second there or like an Edmonton, uh, you know, where, where you have a tremendous amount of skill and kind of gunslinger vibes mm-hmm. happening, which we remember from 2016 and 2017 with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they were the envy of the league and and, and had Phil Kessel, of course, and things were just a little bit different. But, yeah, oh, you mentioned Poole Yarvey. You mentioned what a cool story that would be on the night that the Penguins decide not to touch the trophy uh, when they win three rounds. You know, <laughs> if Poole Yarvey had just come back and infused – uh, the Penguins was something much needed at that time. And then you've got guys like who knows who makes the big play in, mm-hmm. in the face of injury. Is it a, a Hinnestroza, a Johnstone, a Gruden? Do they get another another look and and are in the right place at the right time down the stretch? Ooh, I can get way ahead of myself real fast. All it takes is one win. And obviously, uh, I'll let you all talk about it, but I know that we're, we're going to be dropping this. You, you are going to be dropping this episode. Uh, after some some more game action has already occurred.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, you look at the season and and you look at what they need, and at the end of the day, you know they need a trade. Like we we we've, we've all said something, but we've all said that they need something from outside of the organization at one point or other, and that's going to be the big from thing. From inside
1: for the, the organization.
0: Or you could bring – I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm i wearing a one, Matt
1: Cullen jersey for those of audio one, only. I think he's done. The, he's hung him up. Yeah. He
0: might not be coming back out. And if you're going to resurrect somebody from the front office, I don't know. Jason Spezza was pretty good on the power play in his day as well. Or Amanda but, Kessel. Uh, or Amanda. Well, Amanda Kess is probably the best option of the three at this point. Uh, But at the end of the day, you look at this organization, you look at what Kyle Dubas has done in his first six months. There's been a lot of turnover. The team might not have responded right away, but we'll have to wait and see what the progress is going to look like as we wait and watch what he is going to do with the moves in Hmm. season. That's going to be a big test as to what Kyle Dubas's first year looks like is how he's able to adjust on the fly to this team that he put together on the ice. But that is going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. Thank you once again to jeff taylor for joining the show jeff let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find your podcast
1: uh i will the last thing i want to say is i've got a game mm-hmm. circled it is Ooh. new year's eve at home versus the new york islanders all of this leads up in many ways in my mind to that game i really want the penguins to take that one versus islanders okay mm-hmm. where can you get fly penguins flights on all basically on all the uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Penn's Pod. I'm on Twitter, at Penn's underscore JT. My co-host, Jordan DeFigio, at Fidge Newton. And uh, yeah, show's free to all. Go check it out. Enjoy.
0: Well, thank you once again to Jeff, and thank you to once again to everybody that has tuned in and listened this year, whether it be on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, whether it be anywhere you get your podcast from at Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. It has been a great year in 2023. We expect big things in 2024 for the show, for the Penguins, for everyone involved. Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a happy and safe new year as well. We'll be back tomorrow with an episode of the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. But for now, from Jeff, from Nick, and from the other Nick, We say goodnight and Merry Christmas. See you guys next time.